Yo, everybody, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want, as long as you got the facts tonight, or, you know, I guess whenever you listen to this. Uh, this is going to be a recap of the weekend. I'll be going over some college football. I also want to go over some NFL news as well <clears throat> as some boxing. So a lot of different stuff happening this weekend. A, a couple news stories I wanted to go over, uh, particularly in the NFL. Some, Yeah, mostly in the NFL. Um, there's one news story I kind of wanted to go over in boxing as well. A couple, uh, well, one championship fight, if I'm not mistaken. Also, we had... Um, uh, we had a, a heavyweight boxing match as well. So we're going to talk all about that. And then, of course, what I got planned for the rest of this week. So a bit to talk about. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's go uh, get into some college football. We're going to start off with the scores uh, from this weekend, of course, within the top 25. We're also going to be going over the newest top 25 just recently put out this morning by AP. So let's get into it. Like I said, uh, without further ado, uh, starting with Saturday's action, uh, number 16, Kansas State. Uh, took a upset uh, to unranked West Virginia. Uh, Ten to thirty-seven is the final score uh, there. Uh, both teams are four and two overall. Uh, Kansas suffers. Kansas State, excuse me, suffers its first conference loss. Uh, West Virginia moves to three and two in conference play. For Kansas State, they were led by quarterback Will Howard. He would go nineteen to thirty-seven for one hundred and eighty-four yards. Also, he threw a touchdown, but he would throw three interceptions as well. The story of the game for Kansas: interceptions turnovers uh deuce vaughn uh he was only able to get 22 yards on the ground also west virginia shutting out that running game i forgot to mention that too uh wide receiver philip brooks the third was a leading receiver with four catches and just 29 yards again um Actually, it wasn't just the running defense. It wasn't just sorry. It wasn't just the running game uh, that West Virginia took out. It was also that passing attack as well from Kansas State. But wide receiver uh, Malik Knowles would have a receiving touchdown, and defensive tackle Drew Wiley would have seven total tackles and a sack for the Wildcats. For West Virginia, the Mountaineers were led by quarterback Jared Dodge. On in terms of offense, at least 22 of 34, 301 yards and two touchdowns from him. Uh, running back Letty Brown would have 102 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. Uh, wide receiver Bright, uh, sorry, wide receivers Winston Wright and also uh, Ali Jennings would have receiving touchdowns. And on defense, uh, West Virginia was led by Sean. Uh, Mahor, uh, I think it was Mahone. I'm sorry, sorry, Sean Mahoney. Uh, seven total tackles from him, as well as an interception and defensive back uh, Nick Troy Fortune, an interception for him. So um, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. That was the word of the day yesterday for West Virginia. Uh, Kansas State, not too sure what to make of them. Um, of course, there's going to be a new ranking, so we're going to be going over that as well. So we're going to talk a little bit more about them, I guess, when we get to there, but. Uh, an unfortunate loss for them. Uh, they moved down to four and two, uh, but I, I mean they're definitely in the run, the running still to win that conference title, even with that first loss there. Uh, let's move on. We got Coastal Carolina. Uh, they get a, a shutout victory over Georgia State, fifty-one to zip. Uh, they are number twenty in the nation. Number five, Georgia gets it done against Kentucky, fourteen to three. In a boring, very boring game. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. At, uh, we also have another upset to talk about this time in the Big Ten. Number 13, Michigan, goes down to Michigan State, their in-state rival, of course, in the battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. For those of you who don't know what that's all about, yes, Michigan State, Michigan, of course, rivals. I mean, come on now. I think we could we could obviously guess that one. Uh, but they have one of those little, little brother, big brother rivalries. Uh, Michigan 
has uh, I believe still has the overall edge in that series but in the past few years I think really honestly um, since I've been in high school um, and that will be dating back to the mid 2000s um, Michigan State has been winning a lot of those games so overall Michigan might have the lead but in the past few years I mean over the past 10 years 15 plus years Michigan State has been um, stunning the Wolverines in, in some really uh, crazy games. But uh, this game is no different. 27-24, like I said, is the final score here. For the Spartans, uh, Michigan State was led by Rocky Lombardi under center. He would go 17-32 for 323 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Jordan Simmons, the running back, would have 55 rushing yards. Ricky Wright would have 100, uh, sorry, 196 receiving yards on eight catches and a touchdown. Uh, Connor Hayward, uh, their other receiver, would have two receiving touchdowns. And on defense, uh, Michigan State was led by linebacker Noah Harvey. He'll be the leading tackler with 11. And also Trey uh, Person, the safety would have, their safety would have nine total tackles. For the Wolverines, again, another game where they came up short on offense. They were led by quarterback Joe Milton, 32 of 51 for 300 yards. He would also have 59 rushing yards. Hassan Haskins would have 50, uh, 56 rushing yards and a touchdown. And running back Blake Corum would have two rushing uh, touchdowns as well. Wide receiver Ramon Wilson would be the leading receiver with five catches and 71 yards. And defensive back Dalton Hill would have seven total tackles. You know what? Um, I know... Michigan fans might not want to hear this, but um, maybe Jim Harbaugh is slightly overrated, and um, I'm pretty sure he's he's gonna be on the hot seat at the end of this year. Um, uh, particularly if they lose to Ohio State again, uh, they take a couple. I think they beat you know Minnesota last week, which was a good you know good way to start off the season. But again, um, I think that, well Michigan definitely came into this game a favored favored to win this uh second time at least that i could say within the last two to three years in which they come into this game against michigan state and they've lost um at home to them um in some very convincing fashion you know last second plays or something like that one year was a blocked field goal other years michigan state just kind of outright beats them up so again um michigan just hasn't been able to get right under hardball i don't know what it is uh they don't look to be that they haven't looked to be dominated at all in this in this uh return to Michigan so um, I definitely think Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the hot seat come the end of this year I think this is the game to, to kind of in my opinion that's going to start getting people to kind of look and you know ask a whole lot of questions but that's just my opinion uh, up next uh, we got number 17 Indiana getting a win against Rutgers 37 to 20 is the final score they remain undefeated in Big Ten play uh, number four Notre Dame gets it done against Georgia Tech again an easy win for them I'm not interested in, in you know in anything Notre Dame does until they play Clemson and that definitely does not look like a gimme game um, I'll get to Clemson in just a second 31 to 13 is the final score uh, Notre Dame over over Georgia Tech. Uh, moving on, we have another uh, Big 12 upset. Uh, number 16 Oklahoma State went down to Texas unranked. Uh, 41 to 34 is the final score here for Texas. They are now four and two in the in overall and three and two in conference play. And for Oklahoma State, the Cowboys moved down to four and one and three and one in the conference respectively. Uh, for Texas, they were led by quarterback Sam Ellinger. Uh, he would go 18 to 34 for 165 yards and three touchdowns. Running back Bajan. John Robinson would have 59 rushing yards, and Keontae Ingram 
would help out with a rushing uh, rushing score as well. Wide receiver Jake Smith, Jake Smith, excuse me, would be the leading receiver with seven receptions, seventy yards, and a touchdown. Wide receiver Brennan Eagles would uh, would also add a touchdown to that as well, as well as uh, three catches and fifty-five yards. And linebacker Joseph Osai will lead the way for the Longhorns on defense. Twelve total tackles, three sacks, six tackles for loss, all over the place. He also had two fumble recoveries as well. Defensive lineman Taquan Graham would have five total tackles, a sack as well. Uh, he would also have three and a half t uh, tackles for loss and two fumble recoveries. So again, uh, turnovers made all over the place by Texas. That was a theme of the day, looks like, in the Big 12 upsets. Turnovers, uh, fumbles, interceptions, you know how it is. Um, and for a for a conference that I always dig into about not playing no defense, again, Good defensive game from Texas. Uh, they did give up the 34 points, but again, you know, they gave up a, a good amount. I mean, they did force some turnovers as well. Uh, they did enough to win the game. Uh, West Virginia as well played some solid defense, keeping Kansas State, uh, another Big Tail school, to 10 points. You, I mean, again, I give them hell for not playing no defense. This weekend, uh, West Virginia and Texas played some pretty decent defense. Uh, defensive back Jalen Green will get a uh, will get a interception for Texas as well. The Longhorns forced five sacks and five turnovers. Again, sacking the quarterback, getting turnovers. That's how you win the game defensively. That's hey, that's how they do it in the Big Twelve. I'm a backup ball fucking for this week. They got it. Oh, for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders would lead the way at the quarterback spot. Uh, sorry, 27-39 for 400 yards. He would have four touchdowns through the air. He would have one uh, interception and three lost fumbles. Not great. Uh, not good when you're in a, in a game where one possession counts. Um, and it cost them. It cost Oklahoma State. Uh, this was a one possession, actually a little bit. You know, shake. Actually, no, one possession game. This is a one possession game, 40 to 34, 41 to 34. Uh, Oklahoma State had a chance. They turned the ball over way too many times. That's just, that's it for them. Chubber Hubbard, uh, 72 uh, rushing yards from him. He'd also have 34 receiving yards on the touchdown. Wild receiver Tyler Wallace would be the leading receiver with one, uh, sorry, with 187 yards on 11 catches and two touchdowns. Wild receiver Landon Wolf would have a receiving touchdown as well. And on defense, uh, bear with me with his last name, but his with linebacker Amin Agbong Agbongaminga Agbongaminga. Mm, I'm trying. You know, if I get it right, partner, holla at me. If not, then 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 correct me in a respectful way. Ten total tackles from your boy. Uh, but moving on, we got some more Big Twelve action. Number twenty-three Iowa State gets it done against Kansas. Again, Kansas is a dumpster fire. So everybody's gonna get a win against Kansas. I don't think Kansas has a win yet this season. Um, if they do, it came from somebody. Well, no, they played all divisional. Well, they played all the, everybody in the conference. So no, I don't think they have a win yet. I'm sorry. Uh, number uh, the number twenty five team in the nation got a win uh, yesterday as well. Boise State gets an easy win against Air Force forty nine to thirty. Moving on, we have uh, number two Alabama shutting out Mississippi State forty one to zip. Uh, number twenty two, uh, we have SMU here getting it done uh, against Navy fifty one to thirty seven. Uh, we also have number ten Florida beating up on Missouri, forty-one to seventeen. Uh, they beat them up on the on the scoreboard. They also beat them up. They actually had a fight between the two teams. Florida looked like they, they got the best of that one. So, uh, Florida won two games, uh, one two one twice, if that's what you want to say. Florida won twice. 
on Saturday night. Uh, moving on, we got another SEC matchup. We got uh, number eight, Texas A&M, getting it done against Arkansas. Arkansas uh, is unranked. 42-31 to 31 is the final score here. Up next, we have another upset. I won't go too deep into this one, but we have an ACC upset. Uh, number 15, UNC, a.k.a. North Carolina, goes down by three uh, to Virginia, 44-41. to 41. Uh, Yes, 44-41 is the final score there. Again, Virginia getting the upset win. Uh, back to the Big 12, our second-to-last game of the weekend. Number 24, Oklahoma gets it done in a big way, in a major way, if to, if, if we hollering out, if we hollering and giving a shout-out to E40. Uh, in a major way, they get it done against Texas Tech, 62-28. to And finally, the game that I was very interested in, the game that I was most interested in because of all the drama surrounding one of their top players. Again, number one, Clemson gets it done against Boston College, 34-28. Clemson remains undefeated at 7-0, 6-0 in conference play. Boston College moves to 4-3 and 3-3. Overall, of course, we have, um, you know, just uh, sorry, not Justin. I don't know what I'm talking about. Justin Fields for. Uh, but quarterback, um, the quarterback, starting quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence for Clemson. He was out, of course. He had tested positive uh, for coronavirus not too long ago. And um, he, you know, again, uh, he was replaced by G uh, DJ Ugalele, a top prospect a couple years ago. Uh, he was, like, again, uh, he's a, he took his spot. We don't know um, what's going to go down next week against Notre Dame. I'll let you know as the week goes on. But again, like I said, Yuga Laley uh, gets a start. Goes 30 of 41 for 342 yards, two touchdowns. He'd also have a rushing touchdown as well. So again, um, they actually started off a little bit slow, that being Clemson. I, if I'm not mistaken, Boston College did have a halftime lead, a significant lead at that at halftime as well. Enough to the point where people were a little bit questioning what might happen. They got a little bit spooky. I think some people got a little bit spooky. Uh, but it looks like they, well, of course, they righted the ship. Uh, Travis Etienne, uh, Heisman hopeful again this year. 84 rushing yards from him and a touchdown. He would also have seven catches for 140 yards. I think this was his first game. Um, uh, I guess as I think his first collegiate game, or maybe his second collegiate game uh, with 100 receiving yards, over 100 receiving yards or more. He'd also have a receiving touchdown as well. Amari Rodgers would help out as well. Six catches, uh, sorry, seven catches from him. For 68 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, uh, the Tigers were led by linebacker Balin Spector. He would have eight total tackles in a sack. And uh, for Clemson, they would force four total sacks. So all over the place, all in the quarterback's face. Um, I like it. And my bad, we actually have a couple more games left. Uh, number seven, Cincinnati gets it done against Memphis. Blowout win here, 49-10. to And then finally, in some Big 12 action, we got Ohio State uh, getting it done against Penn State. Uh, number three in the nation versus number 18 in the nation. Uh, final score here, 38-24. Ohio State moved 2-0 on the year. And Penn State remains winless at 0-2. For the Buckeyes that were led by Justin Fields, 28-34 uh, under center for 318 yards and also for a touchdown. Master Teague, again, I like that name. I don't, Man, I don't know why I like it so much. Master Teague goes for 111 yards, uh, also a rushing touchdown as well. Sorry, 110 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chris Olave was a leading receiver with seven catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Garrett Wilson would have 11 receptions and, sorry, 111 yards as well. And tight end Jeremy Ruckert would have two receiving touchdowns. Defensively, uh, the Bug Guys got help from defensive tackle Tommy 
Togai. He would have uh, seven total tackles and three sacks and safety Marcus Hooker. He would have six total tackles and an interception. For Penn State, uh, they were led by Sean Clifford. He would go 18-30 for 281 yards, three touchdowns, but he would throw that one interception. Devin Ford would have just 36 yards on the ground. Uh, Jahan, uh, Jahan Dotson would be the leading receiver with eight catches, 144 yards, and three touchdowns. And linebacker Ellis Brooks would lead the way for the Mitten Lions. Uh, Mitten Lions he would have 11 total tackles. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the top t uh, top 25. Uh, we're going to start off with number 25, of course. Uh, it's a new team on the block uh, in the in the rankings, that is. Uh, we have Liberty. Uh, they are 6-0. I don't know too much about Liberty. Liberty, I don't even know what. No, they are independent. I was going to think about what conference they were in, but they don't have a conference. They're independent. Um, not much. I mean, I haven't heard too much about this team, to be honest. I didn't even know this team played in FBS, but apparently they're six in rushing. They have 255 yards a game. Uh, quarterback Malik Willis is a huge part of that. He has 495 total rushing yards and also six touchdowns. Uh, they are also 16th in scoring with 38 points per game. Uh, again, uh, Willis is a hand, has a hand in that as well with 1,122 passing yards as well as nine touchdowns. Wide receiver DJ Stubbs is his leading receiver with 27 catches and 375 yards and also three touchdowns. And uh, they will be in prime time at some point this week. They are playing a uh, number set. Sorry, they are playing Virginia Tech. Uh, that is a uh, there's a number. There's another team within their home state of Virginia. I believe Liberty is in Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it'll be a, a class of, of some Virginia teams, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, being that Virginia Tech is a five, power five team, this team should this game uh, should have some regional coverage. So my Virginia peoples, uh, I believe this game is something that you can check out if you are into Liberty or if you never seen them before and need to know what they're all about. Uh, take a good look at, out for them later on this week. Like I said, they'll be taking on Virginia Tech. Uh, moving on to number twenty four, we have Auburn. Auburn is four and two. Uh, they recently blew out LSU yesterday, 48-11. to This is what got them there. Uh, Bo Nix will go 18-24 yesterday for 300, sorry, 300 yards. He would also have three touchdowns. Anthony Schwartz, I uh, saw him in action yesterday, actually very fast, uh, just in the open field, just doing his thing. Only four catches, but he made the most of them with 123 uh, receiving yards. He would also have a touchdown as well. And defensively, Auburn was forced four sacks and five total turnovers. So again, sacks and turnovers. That's the key to winning. Again, looks like it worked for Auburn that way. Also West Virginia that way. So yeah, sacks and turnovers. Uh, moving on to number 23, of course, we have Michigan. We know about them losing to their in-state rival. They are 1-1. One and one. At number 22, we have Texas, who is 4-2. They have a big win um, last weekend or, you know, Technically, yeah, technically at this point last weekend. Number 21, we have Boise. Uh, Boise moved up a few spots since Saturday. Uh, they are now 2-0. Uh, USC, again, a team that has not played a game yet. However, uh, I believe Pac-10 play starts, if I'm not mistaken, this week. Possibly we got the next. Um, but uh, it is arriving. So, again, USC will have a chance to justify their ranking. At number 19, we have Oklahoma. At number 18, we have SMU. They are 6-1. Uh, Holton Strong since that loss about a week ago to Cincinnati. At number 17, we have Iowa State, 4-2. At number 16, uh, we have another another undefeated team here from Conference USA. This is Marshall. 
They are 5-0. They are up three spots from last week. They they currently only allow nine points a game, which is third in the nation. In the past, um, in five games, have not allowed more than 17 points. In five, oh, sorry, in five games that they played this season, uh, they have not allowed more than 17 points. So, again, something's in the water in West Virginia. They playing some defense. Again, that's where Marshall is. Okay. Uh, the defensive lineman Darius Hodge is a big part of this. 20 total tackles from him. Six total, uh, sorry, six tackles for loss and also five sacks. Linebacker Tavante Barrett is the team's leading tackler with 47 total tackles. He also has a, has a sack himself. Also three fumble recoveries and a defensive touchdown. So again, look out for Marshall. Uh, really stout defensive team. Don't give up a lot of rushing yards. Don't give up a lot of points either. So again, another solid team here in the top 25. I like them. At number 15, we have Coastal Carolina. They moved up a lot since last week as well. Uh, over the course of the weekend, they moved up to number 15. They are 6-0. and At number 14, we have Oklahoma State. I might have had them a little bit off when I talked about their their um, their game earlier this weekend or this, their game this weekend, but uh, they are number 14 in the nation. They are 4-1. Uh, we are getting close to the top 10. At number 13, we have Indiana, who is 2-0. At number 12, we have Oregon. Again, a team that hasn't played anything just yet, but will have a chance pretty soon to justify where they're at or maybe go up higher. At number 11, we have uh, Miami. Uh, they are 5-1. and one. At number 10, we have Wisconsin, who is 1-0. and oh. uh, Like I said before, they recently had their game, this week's game, canceled. Uh, well, technically, again, it would be last week, I guess. Last weekend's game against uh, Nebraska canceled. Uh, many of their players, including their starting quarterback, that being from Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, uh, will test positive for Corona. So, uh, the AD shut this week's game off. Uh, there will be no postponement, so the game was officially canceled. At number eight, sorry, at number nine, we have BYU, another undefeated team here at 7-0. and At number eight, we have Florida. They jumped up a couple spots from their win against Missouri yesterday. They are 3-1. and At number seven, we have Texas A&M. We have number six, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is 5-0. and Texas A&M is 4-1. and At number five, we have Georgia. They've made, remained the same um, since their victory at Kentucky. Like I said, 14-13. Uh, 14 to three was a final score uh, for the for Georgia. They were led by quarterback uh, Stetson Bennett. He only go nine. He would only go nine of thirteen yesterday uh, versus an unranked Kentucky team. That does not bode well when you have Alabama on the schedule. That's just I don't like a game like this from this from this quarterback. Nine of thirteen, 131 yards, two two interceptions versus Kentucky. Now don't you know? I don't want to take nothing away from Kentucky. Uh, they are usually they usually have a pretty decent defensive team, but again, Georgia should have just had a should have had an easier go at, at this. Um, uh, their running back Zamir White was able to do his thing. He had 136 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but it was I mean, for all that said about their offense, not you know too much to speak of. They played really great defensively. They were all they were able to hold the Wildcats to just 229 yards. They were able to force some inter some interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, in that game on their end. Uh, so again, defensively Georgia looked pretty good, but it's offensively they left a whole lot to be desired. And I don't like a game. I don't. I personally don't like a game like this. To see a game like this this late in the season for a team like that, knowing that they have to play somebody like Bama. Again, I don't want to just outright just say Bama is a favorite, especially at the game like this. But it's hard to see 
where Georgia can really exploit what Bama has going on right now. That's just me, and it's hard to see that in a game like this. Uh, but let's move on. We are moving to the top four. We have Notre Dame here, still undefeated, uh, but I'm not interested in anything they do until they uh, face off against Clemson. At number three, we have Ohio State here at 2-0. At number, um, sorry, at number three, we have Ohio State at 2-0. At number two, we have Alabama at 6-0. And, of course, rounding out the top 25, we have Clemson. They are 7-0. and um, Again, we are going into week 10. The Pac-12 is getting ready to start up. So uh, as this week goes on, or at least we get to Sunday today, uh, look for these uh, rankings to change. That's all I can say. I don't know what's exactly going to happen, uh, but it's going to be some move. Of course, we're going to have some movement. That's what we always have. I don't know who's going to be where. Um, I think I'll, I'll save my potential playoff spots and all that, at least until next week, at least until I see uh, the Clemson-Notre Dame game. Um, but I, because I, I, I don't see, I don't see Notre Dame winning that game. I don't know who replaces them in that top four spot right now, in that last playoff spot right now. But I just don't, even if the playoffs were to end today, I mean, if the, if the season were to end today, say where the playoffs were to start tomorrow, I don't see Notre Dame beating nobody in the top. I don't see Notre Dame. I mean, because they would have to face Clemson. Oh, they'll have to face Clemson anyway. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't see Notre Dame winning against Clemson. That's just me, even without Lawrence. But we'll see. Surprise me. Maybe they'll surprise me. Let's move on. Let's move on to the NFL. Let's go over the scores real quick uh, around the league. Uh, we're gonna start off with the Vikings getting the upset against the pa- uh, the Packers. Excuse me, twenty eight. To 22 is the final score here. Uh, the Packers they moved to five and two, uh, and the Vikings they moved to two and five. Uh, for the Vikings, it was led by Kirk Cousins. He would go 11 of 14 for 160 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dalvin Cook would have 163 rushing yards and three touchdowns. He'd also have 63 receiving yards and a touchdown there as well. Uh, linebackers Eric Kendricks would lead the linebacker Eric Kendricks would lead the way with 12 total tackles and linebacker Eric Wilson that four total tackles and a fumble recovery uh for the packers of course aaron Rodgers would have a decent game despite the loss 27 of uh, 27 of 41 from him 291 yards and also three touchdowns jamal williams will be leading russia with 75 rushing yards and Devontae adams would have seven total catches with 40 for 53 yards excuse me and three touchdowns and safety adrian amos would be the team's leading tackler today with eight total tackles. Uh, some takeaways from this game. Uh, there's three or more touchdowns for A-Rod. Uh, there, well, sorry. A-Rod has scored three or more touchdowns in five or seven games this season. Uh, last season, he just had three games with three or more touchdowns. So you can obviously see uh, there's some improvement. Even with that, you know, even with, in my opinion, no receivers outside of Devontae Adams, he seems to be getting it done. Again, Devontae Adams is a is the beneficiary of his of his touchdown passes in in the main in in reality though. Anyways, uh, Jamal Williams, uh, he this is the second time. Well, actually, this is the first time uh, which he's had seventy or more rushing yards in two straight games in his career. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. If I'm Green Bay, I might be thinking about making a trade for a running back at some point in time. That's just me. That that that's me. Uh, I don't know about y'all, Green Bay fans, but you have a running back who's just now run for two straight games, seventy more yards. How many years has he been in the league? 
I hope he's just been in there like at least two. If he's been in the, the league for two years, maybe a stat like that doesn't seem too good. But if he's been in the, the league three or more years, uh, I'm going to tell you this. You know, y'all did y'all did Aaron Rodgers no favors. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Packers world this right now. Y'all y'all keep doing him no favors. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, he has a touchdown in six straight games. He has eight career total touchdowns against the Packers. He seems to get it done um, against this team. He seems to just be getting it done in general lately. Dalvin Cook, really under the radar. I mean, if I'm the Packers, I'll be trying to make a trade for him. Just to have some consistency in that in that offense, especially in that running game. But that's just me. That's just me. If I'm the Packers, I try to get me a running back. I got a solid enough defense. I got okay receivers. Let me get a decent running back. I mean, that's me. Uh, moving on, we have a, a, a AFC North matchup, of course, the rivalry of all rivalries in the past 20 years or so. Uh, the Steelers, they get it done against the Ravens 28-24. to The Steelers remain undefeated at 7-0. and The Ravens move to 5-2. and For the Steelers, of course, Big Ben will lead the way 21-32 to for 182 yards and also two touchdowns. James Conner would have a, a rushing touchdown. He will be the team's leading rusher as well. Eric Ebron would have four catches, 48 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And the rookie, Trace Claypool would have a receiving touchdown as well. Defensively, uh, Pittsburgh got help from linebacker Robert Spillane, who would have 11 total tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery. Defensive end Stephon Tuitt would have nine total tackles, uh, three tackles for loss, and two sacks. And linebacker Alex Highsmith would have an interception. Uh, for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson will go 13 to 28 for 208 yards. He'd have two touchdowns, two interceptions. He would have 65 rushing yards as well. J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, will be the leading the leading rusher uh, for it looks like both teams as well with 113 yards. Gus Edwards would help out with 87 rushing yards and a touchdown there. Uh, Willie Snead will be the leading receiver with five catches with 106 yards, and Miles Boykin and also Marquise Brown would have receiving touchdowns. Uh, on the defensive side of things, uh, the Ravens got help from Deshaun Elliott. He was the team's leading tackler uh, yesterday with seven total tackles. Uh, some takeaways from this game. This is the second time uh, that the Steelers have gone 7-0, and the first time being in 1978. And if I'm not mistaken, that was a Super Bowl year for them. So um, look on out. Not just in the AFC North, but in the AFC in general. Looks like the Steelers have come to play. Uh, this is uh, Pittsburgh. Sorry, Pittsburgh's defense has had a sack in 64 straight games, and it's the second longest streak since 1982. That's when they started taking stats down as a stat, uh, killing it. Um, quarterback pressure all day, every day from the steel curtain. That's what you got. Baltimore has rushed for 100 yards or more in 30 straight games. That is tied for the most in NFL history. Uh, they're just gonna have to get. They're gonna have to just get something out of Lamar Jackson, though. I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson has seemed to be taking a step back this year. In two starts against the Steelers, Lamar Jackson has thrown five interceptions. Not a great number. Looks like the Steelers have that number for now. Uh, moving on, we have a interconference matchup between the Dolphins and the Rams. The Dolphins get an upset win in this one. Definitely, in my opinion, 28-17 to was the final score here. Uh, both teams had three losses. The Dolphins moved to 4-3. and three. The Rams, excuse me, moved to 5-3. and three. For the Rams, Jared Goff had an ugly game, uh, but that's typical of him in my opinion. I think he's overrated. Um, that's just me. 
Jared Goff would go 35 and 61, 355 yards for also a for a touchdown, but he would have those two interceptions. Dale Henderson would just a lot would just have 47 rushing yards. Robert Woods would have a rushing touchdown. Uh, he would also have seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. So Robert Woods trying to get it done for the hometown team. Uh, Robert, Co uh, sorry, Cooper Cup. Sorry, y'all. 11 total catches from him and 110 yards. And Aaron Donald again, uh, you know, he's always making his way to a box score. That's just the way he does it. Uh, he's always putting in some work. Four total tackles from him. He'd also have a sack and a forced fumble. Um, uh, moving on to Miami. Uh, Miami, of course, this was the debut of Tua Tagovailoa. He would go 20, uh, sorry, 12 of 22 for 93 yards and a touchdown. Um, a lot to be desired there. But, <laughs> I mean, this is his first start. Um, and the Rams are a pretty solid defense. So, you know, maybe next week might be a little bit easier for him, especially in terms of getting after the quarterback, the Rams. That's just what they do. Uh, I seem, I seem to, you know, I definitely saw him under some type of duress. So that's what the Rams do. Next week might be a little bit easier. Maybe. Uh, Miles Gaskin will be the team's leading rusher with 47 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, linebacker Kyle Van Noe would, would be the team's leading tackler with nine. And safety Eric Rowe and defensive tackle Christian Wilkins would have an interception. Uh, this is the first time since 2014 that the Dolphins have allowed 17 points or fewer in three straight games. Uh, this is the first time that they've won three straight games by 10 points or more in that same amount of time. So, um, it looks like there's something different in the water right now in Miami. Um, another turnaround team. I have no, I, I like turnaround teams. I like teams like this that just been, you know, really trashed for a while and kind of turning around and kind of look, you know, look better like my Raiders. I got, I got to give him some props. Um, Jared Goff is the fourth QB to lose two court, uh, two fumbles and two interceptions in the first half. And L.A. committed four turnovers in the first half for the first time since 2008. So uh, some good things to really praise up about the Dolphins, some, some trends that I think are good that's going to take them in a positive direction. Um, and a couple of trends from uh, L.A., that kind of is indicative as to why they lost. Too many turnovers from them. Uh, Jared Goff, again, just leaving a lot to be desired and leaving points on the board, in my opinion, uh, with his interceptions. And, again, maybe, again, um, you know, we talk about a lot of coaches and, you know, person, you know, coaches that are on the chopping block. block. Let's talk about personnel, too. I mean, Jared Goff, in my opinion, should be on every – it should be on a hot seat, should be on some type of chopping block there in L.A. I mean, I just don't see where he's all that effective. Uh, 26, 2017 is a long time ago. He looks, he looks like a totally different guy. Uh, moving on, we have an AFC East matchup. The Bills get it done against the Patriots 24-21. Uh, to This was the, the Bills' first win at home, at home versus New England since 2011. God damn. Teams are turning around. Teams want to get better, some of them. Um, and they doing what they got to do. Much props to the Bills. Again, New England has been running that division for so many years. Uh, there's Obviously, there's some problems there that we need to talk about with the Patriots. I'll get to that at some point. Um, but um, the Bills, what can you say? First win over, over New England at home in a very long time. Clap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, moving on, we do have another upset here. The Bengals get it done against the Titans, thirty to twenty-one. I don't know uh, what to really make of this game. I didn't. I haven't checked the highlights of this one yet. I didn't look at any stats. Uh, I was, actually, I did look at some of the stats. Joe Burrow had a decent game. Two cut touchdowns from him. No interceptions. No mistakes. Um, 
the Bengals, they just they just happened to get it done. What can you say? Moving on, another AFC matchup. Uh, the Raiders get it done against the Browns, 16-6. Now, I will say it was an ugly game. Um, th I don't think I took a great uh, look at the um, the stats, so I kind of can't tell you exactly there anything there. Um, just kind of what I see just from the final score. I saw, I mean, I saw some of the highlights. Like again, like I like I said again, I haven't looked at any stats yet. Uh, but a sloppy game, definitely, uh, especially from what I saw in terms of highlights. Sloppy game. Uh, but the Raiders they get it done, and I, you know what? For all the shit that we've been through, uh, the past few years, we could have easily been one in four this year. Uh, in the past, we would have had a lower record. We've had worse records. So I will take four and three right now with a sixteen and six win. I would have liked to have stomped uh, the Browns out. They are missing their top receiver and their running back, which explains why they were only able to score six points. Uh, but they do have a solid defense, so. I'll give you that. They have a, they, they they do have that. So uh, that's probably what kept us at 16. Uh, moving on, we have the Colts getting it done against the Lions, 41 to 21. Uh, the Chiefs beat up on the Jets, Poe Jets. This is the second time the Jets have gone zero and eight since 1996, uh, when Pac died. So um, this is bad. Um, this is probably I, I, anybody want to bet? I'll bet. I'm willing to bet money that this team goes winless this year you want to want anybody if you care to bet against this please let me know dm me hit me up on my instagram and let me know uh hit me up on my youtube or something leave a comment or something if you want to bet on this because i don't think this team can win the game um it's not gonna happen uh moving on to these to the sunday afternoon slash night games we got the Bears getting it done in overtime. Sorry, the Saints getting it done in overtime against the Bears, 26-23. We got the Seahawks. Uh, my pick uh, to win the NFC West, getting it done against the Niners, 37-27. Uh, uh, we, uh, we also got the Broncos pulling off an upset uh, against the Chargers, 31-30. I believe that was a, a, a late-game collapse because if I'm not mistaken, at uh, one point the Chargers were leading that game. I don't know by how much, but I, if I'm not mistaken, the Chargers were leading that game. Another letdown from L.A. Um, and finally, uh, in the primetime matchup, the, yeah, right. Oh, God. I'm tired of these, both of these teams. Uh, the Eagles get it done against the Cowboys, 23-9. to um, Ben DiNucci got the start. Didn't look great. Uh, Eagles scored enough points to get a W. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I got for you guys. Let's move on to some news. Uh, the biggest news out there right now is dealing with Ronnie Stanley. I know I just talked about him yesterday, uh, maybe a couple days ago. Sorry, uh, he most recently signed a uh, multi-year extension with the Ravens worth over ninety-five million dollars. Uh, but he happened. Well, it's just the way it happens. Any given Sunday, right? Suffered a severe ankle injury yesterday. Uh, in the loss to Pittsburgh, and needed to be caught off the field in a cast. It's apparent that he will miss the rest of the season. Dang. At least you got your bag, though, bro. I can't speak down. You're getting your money. That's some generational wealth right there. Uh, take care of your minds and your chickens, family. Um, you got a chance. Maybe it was a good thing for you, you know, to kind of take a break and kind of, you know, re resuscitate. You got a big sum of money. You got to figure out what to do with it, probably. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. You know, universe is funny that way, you know. Um, 
this is uh, the loss of the second highest-paid offensive lineman in the league um, hurts the Ravens' pass game as well as the rushing attack. Um, now, Orlando Brown, their starting right tackle, uh, was able to switch to the left side today uh, or yesterday, but Baltimore and Baltimore would still rack up 255, sorry, 265 rushing yards. But uh, Lamar Jackson was sacked four times, and of course he only had the 13 completions. So this the it's the pass protection that's uh, faulty right now. Uh, like I've said before, Ronnie Stanley was one of the best, was the best pass protector in the league. I believe his his win percentage in those one on one battles with defensive linemen was about 96 percent, almost 97 percent. So, ah uh, man, um, tough break, tough break for the squad. I, I um. Yeah, yeah, a tough break for Baltimore um, because just with the way that kind of it's almost, I don't want to say the word regression right now because I love the guy so much, but with Lamar kind of struggling the way he is, uh, it's a very important piece to have that blind spot up there, that blind side tackle up there. So it's it might be a little bit difficult for the guys, uh, for the guys in the next the next couple of weeks. It, 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 I'm, I, it might be. Um, one more up sorry piece of news i wanted to go over real quick and again um nfl medical medical staffs what the fuck is going on with you guys uh now early in the season we had um your boy tyrod taylor uh he was a starting quarterback of the la chargers uh he went down with an injury at one point and uh, they were you know trying to get him back and they happened to puncture his lung uh, when trying to administer uh, some pain relievers. Now, if that doesn't get any more twisted, check this shit out. Offens- offensive tackle, I believe he's the right tackle for the Raiders, Trent Brown. They fuck around and they pump air into his bloodstream while trying to give him an IV. Now, these are a problem. Having air flowing to your, your bloodstream is a problem because they can cause they can cause something called embolism. I've heard of these before, but I, I you know, reading the article t- today, I kind of understood it. And uh, these air pockets can travel to the brain, can travel to your heart. Again, they create these embolisms, I, you know, but they're serious. They can lead to death, all type of, you know, serious ramifications. What the fuck is wrong with the medical staffs, bro? Why are you, what is up with puncturing people, you know, really doing fucked up shit to these players? I don't get that shit. Are y'all, did y'all like switch out people over the offseason, hire a new staff or something? I don't get this. And that's very dangerous. That is very, very, very dangerous. And I wanted to speak on that because that's bullshit, yo. These, these highly paid medical, quote unquote, officials, it's almost sabotaging players. I don't want to say that because it, it sounds a little bit, you know, cold or it sounds a little, but that's fucked up. You pumping air into his bloodstream. That could have caused serious trouble. So he is being hospitalized, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, those are very serious issues. I pray for him because, uh, again, not only is my team, but just just the, just the coldness of it all. Like, again, it's another black athlete, you know, just kind of almost at the whim of these medical officials. And I've seen so many people, you know, get involved, you know, go into the health, you know, the, you know, the hospital or, you know, getting, you know, getting involved with these doctors and it's false diagnosis. It is false. You know, this, they, you know, I had a, 
I had a family member who, you know, had a surgery done on one part of his body. But if I'm not mistaken, they ended up cutting up something else that was unrelated. He had complications from that in the passing. Um, as far as my, my grandmother was concerned, uh, you know, her her cancer diagnosis was, you know, misread at many, at many times. So it, it's like, what the hell, dude? Like, that's that's a problem um, in NFL. Y'all need to get y'all shit together. Cause that's serious. I mean, what if what if he did get an embolism? What if what if you know, man, y'all gotta y'all gotta do something about that. I would I would be leading an investigation into a lot of that shit. And you investigating these teams, y'all giving these teams a hard time about wearing masks and you know Corona protocol. You need you know you need to check these these uh these team doctors and making sure they they're doing their job. They're not cutting people up and they're not put, puncturing holes in people's lungs. Jeez, that's ridiculous. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I will be going over some boxing. I also I got some news to talk about there. Of course, we got some fights to go over, big fight weekend. Um, also, I want to go over my plans for this week and my future projects. Uh, you already know what the main ones are, uh, but kind of breaking some more down. And, uh, you know, maybe even a check-in about how I'm doing. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. I let you guys go. I wanted to go over some boxing. Of course, we had a couple big fights this weekend. One championship bout um, in the junior featherweight division. We also had a big time heavyweight fight. Uh, there's one big piece of news that I wanted to, you know, touch up and, and go over. And uh, well, recently, I think uh, in the past couple days, I, I want to say Friday or Saturday or something like that. But former WBC heavyweight champion, um, De- Deontay Wilder, excuse me, has come back. I wouldn't say from the dead, but he's been in hiding. Of course, we all know about his ass whooping a while ago. I think it was in January or February to your boy Tyson Fury. Uh, you know, he took his little, you know, he took his lumps. Uh, of course, there was day one. There were some excuses from his camp. All about the trainer doing this in the fight too early. Then it was his suit being super heavy. He couldn't do this and that. He couldn't move. He was tired. Um, then we had the glove gate. Everybody named Mama who was a fan wanted to put all their videos online about the gloves and this. Uh, now he comes back after a few months of, of being in the cut and, and watching all his fans and you know, putting up these videos online and, and believing the glove gate hype too. He finally comes out of the uh, out of the out of the closet. No, I wouldn't say out of the closet. I ain't the right thing to say, but out of the out, like I said, out of hiding. And he finally wants to address the fact that you know Tyson Fury he manipulated the glove. You have some camps 
You have some. Well, you have his camp saying that he tampered with the gloves directly. He took the padding out. Uh, you have other camps. It's mostly his fans saying, "Yeah, he's." I mean, Fury tampered with the gloves, but he added something to it. Uh, they're talking about these dents in his forehead. They're talking about all these different marks and and all this stupid shit. Like, oh, well, how come a boxer who's not necessarily a power puncher knocks out a power puncher? Little stupid shit that that boxing explains to you. Okay, guys, let me get into this this whole situation. There is no glove gate. There was no tampering of the gloves. The problem, the problem that y'all face is this guy looks so unbeatable. That's the problem. He's so he looked so unbeatable because he was fighting bums. But we'll get into that in just a second. He looked so unbeatable. He looked so strong, and I get it that any loss that he would have taken, y'all going to question it. It goes a distance. It was a draw like the first fight. Y'all didn't want to give him that. Y'all wanted to say, oh, well, Fury really got knocked out. He really didn't get up. Look, Fury got up, and that knockdown was the only thing significant Deontay had done the entire fight. He didn't outbox Fury. He didn't outwork Fury the first fight. Yeah, he caught him near the very tail end of the fight. And had had he not been knocked down, that being Fury, the fight could have went a whole totally different direction. The problem of the matter is that y'all don't want to address is your boy Wilder has various deficiencies when it comes to boxing. You want to know why Fury went upside his head the way he did? Because Fury changed his, his game plan tremendously between the first and second fight. He decides, instead of boxing, using my reach that way I could be more aggressive I can cut off the ring go straight at this guy I have the longer reach I have the bigger body I'm heavier somebody who weighs heavier is going to hit harder sorry guys we can sit there and we could yeah you know this could have happened with the gloves he did it's it's possible but most more possible what's more likely is that there was an adjustment between fights one and two. Again, the first fight from Fury was a lot more strategic. Fought on his back foot a little bit. That's what led to the knockdown. Again, the second fight, he did the exact opposite. He went straight forward. Okay? Now, this is logic. I don't know. I mean, all that other shit y'all want to talk about, hey, you can come up with these, you know, makeshift excuses and things that make you sound better. I'll get into why I, I, I know for a fact people love Deontay Wilder so much. I'm going to get into why that is, and just especially black folk. I'm going to call it out. We'll get into that. Fury, again, changed his whole approach in the second fight. Okay? Again, he was more aggressive. And he had more intention. When you're more aggressive, you're gonna throw a lot more. You're gonna land a lot more. You're gonna you're gonna be more aggressive. That was the whole point of the second. That was the whole point of his, you know, uh, mode of operation. He improved. He changed strategies. Wilder did it. Wilder has some very, very, you know, detrimental flaws to his game. And his power 
His resume has has really protected him from all that scrutiny. Even now, we want to protect him. We want to say, oh, you were cheated. Fuck all that. You want to know why people are saying that shit? Especially black folk. He's just saying it because he's a big black dude that saves pro black shit. Period. He's not that good of a fighter. Saying all that shit about this and being all that man, is, it does not make you Ali, bro. It does not make you George Foreman, dog. I knew from the get-go, the man can't box. He cannot hang like that. He has he has power, but I wouldn't say he has, I would not say, I'm going to tell you this. He has great power in one hand. I'm not going to tell you that power is on the same level of George Foreman. I'm not going to tell you it's on the same level of Mike Tyson. I'm not going to tell you it's on the same level as somebody as Ernie Shavers, so on and so forth. I'm not going to say that. Not with his style of fighting. His style of fighting is very unorthodox. Uh, and that would work for some people if he had some... Re- but there's... there's He's lacking defensively. He lacks in footwork. He lacks a decent jab. He he literally just has a strong right hand, dog. You need more in boxing to be great than the right hand, dog. Sorry. And part of the reason why his head got dented is because he had no answer to the punches coming upside his head. He couldn't block. We saw that. We saw that he can't block. He cannot move his feet. He cannot move away. He can. He has zero head movement. That's why he has massive side his head. That's why he has a dent. Because you have a big-ass heavyweight dude, six feet tall, going upside your head, and you can't even block it. Trust me. I've, I've, I, have, I have broken my pinky blocking somebody's punches. That's just the way it goes. That's just the way defense is important. Had I not, had I, had I not sacrificed that thumb, had that thumb not been up, had that not, had that hand not been up in that situation, I would have been knocked out. But it's that simple. Wilder has no defense. He has zero footwork. He has one power shot, and it worked in forty fights. And see, everybody in mama gonna argue. Well, he, he, look at his knockout. Look at his knockout percentage. Look at who he, look, look. But I say, look at who he's faced. Let's uh, let's make it a college football analogy, right? Um, my guys, my 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 peoples that know college football understand this. It's the equivalent of somebody like Alabama or Clemson, number one in the nation, right? Number one team in the nation, best offense, best defense. At least that's what people say because they they seem to have an easy time uh, with this opposition. That's like the number one team in the nation, Clemson, playing teams like Yale, Harvard. Garbage football teams, you know, FCS teams every week. And then they get to the playoffs and they lose in the first round to Alabama. That's that's the equivalent of what happened. Okay, nobody wants to address this. Nobody wants to talk about this, but I will. They want to just sit there and say, well, he was robbed. Oh, Tyson Fury is some racist. He's a white supremacist. Get the fuck out of here. That is why he will not be a better fighter. That is why if you were in his same shoes... You would not be a better fighter because there's too many excuses. That's that's way too many excuses. You should have just took the ass whooping and said this is what happened and came back stronger. All these excuses, you won't be able to change because you won't because it's it's a, it's an eternal thing. It's it's issues that he has, Wilder has. It's not that it's not that there was rigged gloves and all that. The the uh, the sanctioning committee and Wilder's camp watched 
watched, uh, well, this is what happens. The sanctioning body and the other fighters camp watches you put on your gloves. So all that glove gate shit, it doesn't, it, because if, if that was really the case, if that was truly true, then somebody day of the fight would have said something. Because again, your camp is in there. The sanctioning committee is in there watching you, you know, wrap up your gloves. Somebody would have said something. Uh, it would have been the same situation when um, Shane Mosley fought Antonio Margarito. Now, Antonio Margarito, uh, you know, the word had been out, just like there's been, you know, things said about Tyson Fury, you know, about him cheating or whatever. Okay. Well, this is what happened. And this and these and these accusations came out after he fought Miguel Cotto and fucked him up. They did an investigation. They found in the second well, his next fight, which was against, you know, um Shane Mosley, they had an investigation and they figured out he was using plaster of Paris. Again, I'm pretty sure that if Tyson truly had that reputation of being I guess a plast of loaded gloves type of person. People would have been there watching. Again, we've all, we already had sanctioning bodies there. That was already agreed upon. That's already been that was already proven. So really, you have no argument. So you want to sit there and say, well, maybe they lied. They lied to you. You don't know nothing. That's the next argument they're gonna say. Of course, fine. They lied to us. They really let them. Whatever. Whatever, dude. That's to me. I think you're starting to get too petty. It's a victim mindset. Take the loss. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no way. There's no way. You know. Again, with the uh, the precautions that the sanctioning bodies take, especially when we've had, you know, recently in the recent past, like fighters like Margarito take those steps I think since that situation you've had more um, people watching gloves and watching hand wraps so I, I don't buy it I don't I don't buy that that Tyson slipped and there was some there was some you know um, conspiracy to let him get by with loaded gloves and no, I don't buy that I don't buy that because there's too much money in promoting a legitimate trilogy if that was to be if that was to happen okay um, bottom line is um, Tyson Fury kicked his ass, and I know we don't want to admit that. We want to we want to hold on to our we want to be all black pride this and black. Listen, I like a whole bunch of black boxers: Floyd Mayweather, uh, Devin Haney, uh, etc. Javante Tank Davis. Lit that shit. It ain't got nothing to do about that. And you don't have to be. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be in the sports on that level. And, and try to because and honestly I played sports sports is an equalizer it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what color you are if you're good at what the fuck you do you're good at what the fuck you do I've been in the trenches in football I've went up against black dude white dude Asian dudes what the fuck difference does it make Ugh, the fuck they can they can take you they can take they, nobody's scared nobody should be in it especially a sport like boxing come on it's a one on one situation I'm not into that. Like, yeah, I get it. There's national pride. People get into that stupid shit. It's boxing. I'm sorry. It ain't that serious. If it was military, some shit like that, I get all that national pride and being all nasty with each other. But this is boxing. This is a sport. Tyson Fury's a better boxer. He's a better. He's a better athlete at the sport. 
Sorry. Uh, Wilder might have a whole lot of heart. He might be able to hit people hard. He might fight very fight okay. But uh, there's some significant things that left him open for a beat. Left him open for a beatdown like that. There's no. There is no. Sorry guys. There is no um, conspiracy about it. Tyson Fury changed his approach and it was too much for Wilder to handle. Tyson Fury came in there the bigger man. He was already the bigger man, the heavier man. You're gonna hit harder. I hit harder than people smart. That's just the way it is. It's gonna leave more of an effect, especially if you are if you are getting hit all night long for seven straight rounds and you have no answers to it at all. And all that. Oh, he's a he. Tyson Fury is not a power puncher. How do you end up knocking out a a, a power puncher easily? Ask Ask Ali and what he did to Frey. Ask Ali and what he did to Joe Joe. Uh, sorry, George Foreman. Ask Ali. It happens. It happens all the fucking time. What are you talking about? You can outbox a slugger and knock him the fuck out. Oh, ask Ali when he fought fucking Sonny Liston. It's possible. It happens. Y'all just don't want to take it because y'all think this guy, first of all, I think the belief, the mis, the misbelief was that he was supposed to be this great pound-for-pound uh, pound champion, which I'm going to be honest with you, he wasn't. He had a, he had, he had a very easy way to the top of the heavyweight ranks that being Deontay it's no it's no coincidence that he he first he first fights you know Fury and gets a draw in the second fight he gets knocked out uh uh that's he's not on that level and we could sit there and say well Ortiz was great Ortiz was 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 a good Ortiz was fought was old as hell when he fought Wilder and he was coming off uh, a layoff because he was doping. If if you're that dope, you don't. If you're that raw, you don't need to do dope. Sorry, you don't need to do steroids and HGH. He wasn't that raw. He was old. That's what it was. He might have been raw at some point. He might have been okay at some point. But he was very. He was he was getting up there in age, and he didn't have he didn't have what it takes. So he was he was juicing. Ortiz got caught up. He wasted two years or a year of his career. Then came back and got beat up by Wilder. I'm not buying that. And even in that first fight, uh, they they gave Wilder the benefit of the doubt by giving him extra time in between rounds. I think it was round seven or eight. After he got fucked up, he was about to get knocked the fuck out. They get, the doctors came in there, stopped the fight, give him any more even more time to recover. So we want to talk about people being cheated. We want to talk about people being given extra. You know. You know. Given extra love, hometown cooking, you know, Wilder has 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 benefited from well as from that type of shit as well. So we're gonna we're gonna go tit for tat, okay? So get over it. He got his ass whooped. There is no glove gate. That nothing will be proven. You all be stuck just being mad, talking shit on the internet, and that's where y'all gonna be. Sorry, the man was not that raw to begin with. Okay, let's move on to the weekend's action. Uh, again, we're going to start off in the heavyweight division. Alexander Usyk, a uh, big man on the... Well, newest guy in town, at least in the heavyweight scene, uh, takes out uh, Derek Chisora, uh, a long-time journeyman heavyweight, uh, with a record of 32-10 and 10 and 23 KOs. Uh, Usyk won that, uh, wins this fight uh, last night uh, via unanimous decision. Scorecards had it 117 112. At least one of the guys had it that. Uh, the other two judges had it 115 113. Uh, this was a close cut case. Uh, Usyk, for Usyk, he stays undefeated at 18 0 uh, with 13 knockouts. Um, 
from beginning to end, I pretty much saw um, Usyk with the upper hand. Uh, he moved pretty well. He was able to establish a jab early. He was able to get his rhythm going. He's a rhythm fighter. Uh, I was able to notice that about him. Uh, he was able to start getting combinations off about, I would say, about the fifth or sixth round. Started to get some, some decent combinations going. Really started to hit Chisora. Uh, Chisora tried to make the fight very dirty, very... Um, you know, like a phone booth, very up close and personal. Uh, he wanted to keep Usyk from moving, so there was a there was a concerted effort to try to get to his body. But you know, Usyk is just really good with his footwork, um, and made um, made Chisora expend a lot of in energy. Sorry, trying to track him down, trying to get him to kind of calm down a little bit. Uh, but again, uh, Usyk just used the ring effectively. Uh, pretty much outlanded, I would say outlanded Chisora every round. Um, I think Chisora uh, kind of had some moments near the end. Uh, both fighters kind of got tired. Uh, this was just Usyk's second heavyweight fight. Um, I cannot remember the first guy he fought in the division. I think it was Chaz Williams or something. I think he won that by knockout or he quit. Yeah, the guy quit in his on his uh on his, in his corner, uh, but as far as Chisora, Chisora was a game opponent. He stayed in his ass uh, for the most part. He did stay in front of his face. I mean, it, uh, Usyk's face uh, the entire fight, though. I mean, it, there was a lot. It was a lot of energy he had to use to do that. But he pretty much stayed in his face the entire fight. Was able to land some of the punch, some 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 thudding shots uh, again near the end of the fight. Uh, again, with both fighters kind of you know lacking energy. You would have Chisora kind of landing a couple shots here and there. He kind of got a couple combinations off, but just not enough. Um, and um, Usyk just looked to be, you know, again, he looked to be more energized. He he had enough stamina to keep him at least from getting knocked out because there was a couple shots. Again, there was a couple shots that Chisora was landing at the end that you thought, hmm, anybody else probably would have been dropped from that. Uh, so I definitely looked at the fight, came out of the fight uh, feeling that Usyk has potential of being a top heavyweight. He's obviously in the pound for pound uh, rankings. I don't know exactly where he's at, but a lot of that comes from his uh, clearing out of the of the his clearing out of the the cruiserweight division, which is right below heavyweight. Um, so he cleared that division out, uh, and so far he's looked good against two solid heavyweight opponents. Again, uh, Chisora's they're both have been journeymen. Um, Chisora's a little bit up there. He's had some more championship experience. He's had some more championship rounds and fights. So uh, definitely, you know, showed that on Saturday. That's what Chisora showed on Saturday. Definitely gave Usyk a good run for his money, a good tester uh, bout uh, to kind of see, you know, to test certain things. You know, can Usyk take those shots? Can he go for 12 rounds, kind of move with a guy and kind of stay, you know, doing his thing for 12 rounds in the heavyweight fight? I think he can. Uh, is he a top 10 heavyweight? Um, I think because of who was around right now, I would I would say, yeah, uh, because nobody has really, you know, popped out to me outside of people that's already been in the mix, like Povetkin, uh, Takam, we got Carlos Takam. Uh, people that have already kind of shown up and got beaten by, you know, one of the big three, either that being AJ Fury or Wilder. Uh, you got Wilder still in the mix. Uh, I still, 
I will say this until well, I, I personally saw a, a, you know as much as I could see between Wilder and Fury. So I personally don't think Wilder is a top ten heavyweight. I know a lot of people are gonna sit there and try to argue with me all day. I he got in the ring with another top ten and he got his ass whooped. Uh, I can't I can't see where he is top ten. So I I would I mean. I think Usyk has a lot of potential. He still has some some shit to prove. Uh, and again, it, it's just he just has to just line. You know, you just got to line up the guys for him at this point. Um, is he ready for one of those big three guys? Uh, possibly, um, you know, Joshua or you know Fury, or whatever. I'll be real with you. I I I think he could take. You know, Wilder. I think Mike Tyson could take Wilder. So, uh, I, as far as that goes, can he take uh, Fury and or AJ? I don't know. I think that's a little bit different. Um, I think he might even have trouble with somebody like a Joseph Parker. Uh, so, again, um, I think he, there's some things that he does well. Um, I still think he needs to bring the power, get some strength uh, to really be able to take out these. But he has great athleticism. He moves really well, uh, and Usyk has good stamina too. So he's, you know, he can he can take a shot and he can stay with you for twelve rounds. So you gotta give him that. All right, moving on, we have a, a super featherweight championship about to go over. Javante Tate Davis uh, was able to KO Leo Santa Cruz last night in the sixth round. Again, I believe it was for the WBC title in the super featherweight division. Uh, Tank dropped Santa Cruz with 29 seconds left in the sixth round with a vicious uppercut upstairs. It's like, a, oh man, it's like a work of art. Uh, Santa Cruz was trying to move in there. He was the bigger man in the fight. I think he had a longer reach as well. He's over there trying to set something up. He's trying to get in. You know, he's trying to stay with Tank. And Tank just must have slipped. He, man, I saw that arm go. I saw that uppercut go up. I didn't know what it would do. I just knew it was going to hit him. And Santa Cruz dropped like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> um, all I can say is good fight from Tank. I know a lot of people are going to talk shit about Tank. I don't have nothing too much negative to say about him. He has a 95% knockout percentage. He gets it done. Uh, Tank is undefeated still at 24-0 and 0, uh, with 23 knockouts. Leo Santa Cruz moves to 37-2 with 19 KOs. Uh, it is definitely time for your boy to move up to, I believe, it would be super lightweight um, or just a lightweight division. You have some uh, really good names up there, that being Loma. Uh, sorry, Devin Haney. I know I mentioned him before, but it was a wrong first name. You got Teofimo Lopez up there, who I feel uh, was given a win against Loma. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Anybody want to know why, I'll tell you. Just just make, just DM me or something. I, I got all day to talk to you about how Teofimo Lopez did not deserve that win against Lopez against Loma. Sorry. And I'm not a Loma I'm not a Lomachenko fan. Sorry, y'all. Uh but again you got Ryan Ryan Garcia up there as well. Top ten lightweight. Uh so again, uh Tank does have to move up. Uh he's you know he's creamed out. I mean he's cleared out who's, you know, in the featherweight division, all those guys. Uh I, I can't think of a, a, a top ten he a top ten name he's taken out in that division just yet. Uh, but again, if he were to move up, he definitely, like I said, he has all those names that I mentioned there before. Um, honestly, I think that the main, I think the one name that he might have trouble with is going to be Haney. I, I, I don't, I don't buy Lopez. I saw Lopez's fight against Loma, uh, Lomachenko. I feel, uh, definitely won the last four, four rounds of that fight. 
Um, I thought Lopez ran out of energy. He ran out of gas. Uh, he was getting tagged by Loma. Uh, he could have been dropped. I don't know what fight y'all was watching. Uh, at least the people that saw Tio as his as his god in the fight. Uh, he definitely looked good in the beginning. Uh, he did some great work to the body on Loma, but he got he like I said he ran out of gas. Um, I think somebody like Tank could take that. Tank has stamina. Uh, I think Devin Haney has the best skill set, honestly. Um, similar to Tank, I think he might be a slightly better than Tank. Uh, than Tank. Uh, Loma, of course, we all said about we you know we all know about Loma, the Matrix. He's a little bit older. Again, he's coming off the loss from Lopez. Again, I don't think he deserved, but still, it's a loss. So, uh, you still got him up there. Lopez, I don't know. And Lopez and Garcia, you know, hey, they get they get a lot of love. I don't know. I don't know. They all that. That's that's me. That's just me. All right, I'm calling a wrap for tonight. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. As far as what I got going on on the podcast, uh, I have some, well, I want to get into some more news, some international news, all that type of stuff. So any news stories that I come across, I will be discussing it here. I uh, also want to get into some college football later on this week. We got to preview the next week of games. Uh, we want to go over some news there, of course, whatever pops up. Oh, I did want to go over some NBA news. Uh, Daryl Morey for former GM of the of the sorry Houston Rockets has himself a new job. Uh, he like I said, he wanted to move back east. That's where it's at. That's all I'm gonna. That's the that's the clue and the hint that I'm gonna give you guys. You know, boring you guys already know. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, and as far as uh, the YouTube channel is concerned, please take a look there. Never out of bounds. Same name. Um, I am working on my sports stories for the Lakers. That is, uh, I, well, the script is done. The notes are all done. Now it's about getting the images together, uh, clips together, and, um, you know, starting to record. So that should be done. I want to have it. Uh, there's a possibility that I could get it done tomorrow and have it out tomorrow night, possibly. Uh, but it is definitely uh, near completed. I am still working on the review for Batman Forever. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, I already got my other. I, I already got my other. Uh, you know, my other sports stories. Um, sports stories script kind of already together. Uh, I'll save that one for you when we wrap up the first one. Um, there's some work I got planned, uh, so just keep a lookout. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can follow me on my Facebook at L Jamal Johnny E L J A M A H. Start with that. Uh, you want to look me up on Instagram? I'm on there too. L Jamal seven ninety one E L J A M A H seven ninety one. I also have an email, of course, a Gmail. Uh, L J Butler seven five ninety one E L J B U T L E R. Of course, seven five uh, Gmail. Uh, you can also hit me up at those places. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight all y'all later. Good night, y'all. Or good morning.